Oh, hello. Uh, can I speak to Nick Briggs, please? Nick! Hi. Chris here. Chris, Chris Dale? From the, the Jerry Anderson podcast? You know, the guy at the end who... Uh, yes, the weirdo from the conventions. Yes, that's right. Anyway, I hear you fine folks at Big Finish are doing a new audio series of Space 1999. And I was just wondering... What's that? I've called you about this every day for the last eight months. Well, yes, but I mean, look, I, I already have my own eagle right here. Listen. See? And I already have my own staple gun and my own... Hello? Hello? Ah, must be some, uh, some sort of interference. Oh, uh, hello, everyone. Well, how exciting. A new incarnation of my very favourite Jerry Anderson series, which promises to deliver all the action and excitement that made the original series so special. And the randomizer is also feeling the Space 1999 love this week, as it selected an episode that offers absolutely none of those things. In fact, it's one of my least favourite episodes of the entire series. Ugh. Here's new Adam, new Eve. Nick! So, welcome back to Space 1999 Season 2. I'm sure lots of people have been missing it. And I, I may have said before, I, I like Series 2 of Space 1999. I don't have a problem with it because I know that the changes that were made for the second year kind of had to be made. At least that that's what the, the higher-ups at ITC thought, you know, they had to make these changes, otherwise there would be no more episodes, and I would rather have the second season that we got than no second season at all. Unfortunately, there are several episodes that are, um, not good. Not good. And this is one of my least favourites. Oh, but, you know, like with Torchy... It gets it out of the way. Strange presence is among us, taking control. And after that very uh, florid log entry from Helena, something out there, which I think was, uh, it looked like it was covering actual recorded dialogue. The characters were speaking, but we couldn't hear their their mouths. Um, it might have been meant to cover some dialogue, and in the end, just got more convoluted than probably what was there already anyway. There's something there. A, a planet. Oh, and um. People passing out. Annie Lambert from uh, Four to Doomsday has just collapsed. Hey, but her vital signs are down. Alan? Alan's, Alan's going now as well. No, he's all right. He's okay. Hmm. It's very similar to the opening of uh, I'm all right. the Beta Cloud. Oh. 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 Oh, Yasko. It's like it's like thunder here. Thank you. That was uh, that was one of your crowning moments. Oh, I love that. I would get that on a. I'd get that on a Yasko t-shirt if I could. It's like thunder here. She's so sweet. She's so... She's so... Vacant, but she's so sweet. Anyway, lots of... Uh, sparkly images appearing on the, the big screen, which is actually bringing in extras who... weren't even in Command Center at the time. People are coming in from outside, specifically to gawp at this... Uh, kaleidoscope. This pretty kaleidoscope. And some, some very trippy imagery, actually, in the second season. And I know there were elements of the first season that was a bit trippy, but some lovely kaleidoscope effects in this and the Tabor, coupled with the strange music. It's all very 70s. We now have this uh, man in a blue robe swimming by the looks of it towards the camera. Who are you? 
Yep, it's that story. It's the um, all-powerful being turns up, claiming to be God. Anyone seen that story anywhere else before? I know I have. I'm sorry, I can't do any better. Oh no, Yasko, all your best lines are coming out so far in this episode. That's a, that's an. If that was a line that was, if we needed a Yasko line that just sums her up, there it was. Oh, for a moment I had hope. Um, Magus, spoiler alert, that's this guy's name, just materialised with the same spinning silver effect that the, the dragon did in Dragon's Domain and he was standing in the doorway. Just for a second I thought we might get something good here. Unfortunately, we do not. We have uh, this guy. I do assure you that I am what you would call the genuine article. And here I have, uh, here we have, I think, the first floor of this episode, and it's quite a serious one. The guy playing this would be God. Um, the actor, actor's name is Guy Rolf, and he's over a meal. He's not quite got it. He's not quite got that sort of commanding but benevolent presence that the role really requires. He's a little old-fashioned. And I just wonder if this episode had appeared in the first season, and I, d I still don't think it would have would have worked. But I wonder who they would have cast in the role then, because and I, I hate to sound sort of mean about this, but I think pure protein. Guy Rolf is kind of like a like sort of nectar. a one glass bargain basement type god in this episode. He's in the first season. Oh, who would we have had for this? Would have been a big. Big name. However, one thing that does seem to have impressed you in the past is force. There we go. Random acts of violence. Oh. Oh. Oh, that's not fair. Oh, there we go. I was going to say that wasn't fair because um, he waved his hand and eagle right. on a launch pad just turned purple and then was a pile of rubble. I thought we weren't going to get an explosion, but then we did. Whoever you are, you have a great deal of power. What do you want with us? I Just keep blowing up eagles. That's going to be more entertaining than anything else you do. You've been a great disappointment to me. All those wars. Your willful squandering of the natural resources of the planet I gave you. Your pollution of it. That minor issue of possibly blowing up said planet. Not entirely sure. I'm going to give you something that I have never allowed to any other species. A Furby. A second chance. Oh. New Earth. The finest indoor studio your set designers can come up with. Behold! It's just that your answer is so exactly what it should be if you are what you say you are. Well, somebody's um, ideal for humankind. signed up to the cult already. You're, you're very quick to jump the gun there. Helen is almost all but jumping up and down. She's really keen to go. The planet could support us. Um, luckily, everyone else is more or less in character. They're interested, but they're sort of not so much willing to be uh, led by the hand as Helena clearly is. She can't stop smiling. Right, Magus. We accept your invitation. Excellent. Then I suggest the team should be as follows. Yourself, of course, as leader. Since you are the only one to make the decisions, the lovely creature Maya must go, as scientific officer, naturally. 
the equally enchanting Dr. Russell as medical officer, and Mr. Badeshi. Oh, and uh, Professor Bergman, where is he these days? Like generations I would have liked to have actually seen I'm commander of the space. P Professor Bergman dealing with Magus. Again, I just think, oh, what could this episode have been in the first year? And instead in the second, not to get too far ahead of ourselves, we're just sort of... that or none. This is a huge disappointment. Yasko, preparing for liftoff. Yeah, Yasko, um, acknowledge. Yeah, Yasko? Clear to liftoff, Eagle 4. Oh, finally, okay. Took a moment, but she was there. She was there uh, on the ball as ever. Oh, and the eagle has just faded away. Instantly materialised on the uh, the new planet. New Earth, of course. Yasko. Yasko. Of course, this doesn't necessarily mean that Magus is blocking communication to Alpha. It could just simply be that Yasko is... I don't know, she's fallen asleep or she's been distracted by a butterfly or something. Commander Koenig, do you read me? Do you read me? Commander Koenig, come in, Commander Koenig. I'm staring at uh, Nick Tate's... Oh, I nearly said I'm staring at Nick Tate's chest there, as I'm sure uh, many fans of the show have done over the years. I was actually staring at his um, ID badge. He's He's got his photo on there, but the haircut doesn't look anything like his normal haircut. It's very... Very short, um, but also quite um, sideburny. Wow! Wonder when that was taken. Never really noticed that before. <laughs> it is the Garden of Eden, Mark Two. You will be very happy here. Well, I'd like to make a feasibility. No, it seems like everybody's fallen for this thing now, except Koenig. Tony and Meyer have joined Helena in the um, smiling like an idiot club. Coming down. You are my new Adams, my new Eve. Ah, so it was just New Earth for the four of them, not for everyone else on Alpha. For you, this is the first day of creation. So Magus has chosen these four to uh, to populate his New Earth, to be his new Adams and new Eves. Alpha. I'm just thinking, why these four, aside from the fact that they're the main characters? Come in, Commander Connie. I mean, without getting too sort of um, be down on that planet. Personal about it. One thing's for sure. We're certainly not going to find them by sitting on our butts here. If you want, like, the best breeding stock from the Alphans, if you want, like, the the sort of... the, the genes that are really worth preserving and, and including in your new world, why the hell isn't Alan here? Why, I mean, come on. He's, he's so man. He's so man. Um, yeah, I... Why, why would you leave him behind and, and pick Tony? I mean, you know, no offence to Tony, but come on, Alan is like proper, proper rugged, all-action Aussie bloke. Very bad manners, and besides that, it's very bad psychology. Very bad manners. <laughs> Forcing us to, um, to pair off with people against our will. It's very bad manners. It's just not done. We make our own choices, much less often than you think. As for you, my dear, your natural aristocracy allied to Mr. Vadeshi here. Um, Mr. Vadeshi with the qualities of, um, uh, uh, um, well, he's got a nice haircut. You couldn't just say children. And this is something that occurred a few times in this earlier half, yeah, first half of the second season. People became, 
the Alphans' adversaries became really interested in just one rule. relationships. You know, one moment of humanity. Uh, Brian the Brain. People are sort of putting the lead characters through that, like these love test things. And it's just so, so pointless. We know what these characters feel for each other. We know that because of the episodic nature of the show, they're never going to be able to advance their relationship properly. And it just makes the the villains look kind of, um, just sort of like slightly, um, slightly perverted, slightly deviant-ish, that they're just like, ah, come on, let's, let's watch you guys making out. Come on, that's what I want to see. Um, It'd be good to have a moon. We've never had one before. I suppose in this episode it does make sense more than it does in the others, but even so, it's kind of... kind of an old running theme through the first half of the season. Oh, by the way, you'll find its light has all the magical romantic qualities associated with it on old Earth. Bye again. Just dropped in to say that, and now I'm off again. Hmm. Lovely model work in this episode, though. I'm not... I'm not a huge fan of the forest set. I think they did it much better in uh, in the Immunity Syndrome. But this model forest and the way it, it just cut from daytime to night there, with the stars suddenly coming up. Oh, it's beautiful. It's disappeared. We couldn't really expect him to miss that trick, could we? That's it. No, it's still there somewhere. Only, only he's exerting some power to disperse its particles, like powder dissolving in a liquid. How can you tell that just by looking? I know you're a genius, but even you have got to have your limits. It's been 24 hours, Yesco. I'm going after them. Clear to lift off, Eagle One. And again, this is another sort of stop sci-fi thing where if we have some main characters stranded on a planet, we have to keep cutting back to, in this case, Alpha, but in Star Trek it would be the Enterprise, to see characters failing in attempts to reach their colleagues or failing in attempts to find them. And I suppose there's only so many, only so many ways you can write scenes like that, but it's always... It's always so disappointing to cut back and, and know exactly what you're going to see before even the characters start speaking. Try Helena. So now Magus has uh, induced some kind of static charge in our four leads, which means that John and Helena can't touch each other, Maya and Tony can't touch each other, but John and Maya, they're all right to touch, and Helena and Tony are all right to touch. Magnetic field cocoons, positive, negative. Pairing them off in exactly the way Magus wants. Lovely image of the moon just rising up over the mountains. I mean, you can, you can almost sort of feel that Magus is kind of pushing it up there to push the uh, the romantic atmosphere here. Yeah, I remember when I first saw this episode. This it, it was uh, on uh, BBC Two in 1998, maybe even nine-ish. And I was on board with the changes for the second season at first. Matchmaker in the sky. But then you hit this run from, like, one moment of humanity through to... Yes. I suppose the next really good one is the AB Chrysalis, with Journey, in, Journey to Where is in there as well. But you had this run of half a dozen fairly rubbishy episodes, and it was just so disappointing. Oh, God, and now the characters are staring at each other in soft focus. I said while the lovey-dovey music is playing, but even in high definition, it's so blurry as to be almost unwatchable. The fire. Meanwhile, Helena appears to be uh, well and truly away. She's 
not concerned by any of this, staring up at the sky with a dreamy expression on her face. I wonder who does his arrangements. I wonder too. Well, you two are going to have some very stupid children. That's an interesting theory of yours. And here we come up with one of my favourite ideas of the second series, and it's just glossed over really quickly. An interesting thing. We, we managed to find our God, the creator of this universe, to find that he had a God who created a bigger one. Now that is a story that I would love to see. So... What, the, the Psychons actually went looking for their god and they found him. Like he was just sort of sitting on a rock somewhere saying, Hi, yep, I'm your god. Um, what? It's such an offhand comment that's just thrown away. And I, I, I've always felt there was so much story potential in that one line. And it would do so much to, I don't know, to flesh out the... Maya's backstory a bit more to give a bit more detail to the the Psycon culture, especially one that um, you know we meet we meet very few Psychons. We meet Maya, obviously her father mentor, and uh, Dorzak, and they they all seem very science focused. It's it seems a very scientific culture, Psychon, and as divine for for a culture like that to. To have a god, but also to find him? That would just be... We are. You know, earth-shattering. But instead we have this. And the smeary vision soft focuses back. I mean, I can... I can barely make out what's happening. I mean, I'm watching in, in high definition, but this almost looks fuzzy enough to be VHS. It's, uh... It's terrible. Anyway... Koenig and Meyer and Helena and Tony are getting down to business, just like Magus wants. <laughs> oh, I was going to say that myself, but uh, thank you, episode, for filling in my uh, my feelings on the matter. I have never been so happy to see a man in a gorilla suit in my life. Oh, yeah, we have a a gorilla suit alien with a um, papier-mâché green face beating up uh, I think I've described him as the Michelin man's hobo cousin before which I, is a description I stand by Oh, and they shot the poor old um, gorilla costume guy he's now hiding in the bushes and at least it broke up the, uh, the kiss fest gonna have much more of that oh no he's got Helena oh no and that's it. Maya in another rubber monster costume to the rescue. Um, as much as I said I, you know, I enjoy the second season, uh, I look at this and, you know, it's two guys in rubber suits flailing around. We've fallen a very long way from the Black Sun. And you know that so many talented people put so much hard work and, and time and energy and money into this. And it looks so dreadful. All these silly costumes. Oh dear. Well, that's that over with. The creature went on the cave, left some tracks. Let's follow them. Oh, explosion! 
I'd like to see some explosions in there. You were forbidden! Why do you disobey? Go back! Now I have a great big Magus face in the sky firing purple lasers out of his eyes. Go back! And I know it's it's meant to seem imposing and commanding, but it's it feels very um Star Trek V, you know, the same way that that film tried and failed to realise God or a version of God in a very cheap way. This episode starts to feel very similar. What is it that makes the human species so perverse? <laughs> this from the man who is uh, forcing people to uh, get together against their will. I forbade you to leave the glade because I knew the dangers that lay outside it. Herds of men in gorilla suits wander the caves at night. All history, your species has been notable for two things. Asking interminable questions and injuring itself. And ruthless efficiency are three weapons. Come in again. <laughs> Free will is also the right to walk out of this glade without you acting like something out of the book of Job. Is the right to try. Oh. Okay, throw down, right? Come on, Magus, let's uh, let's have you. Oh, oh, he's gonna do it as well. Koenig is walking up the rocks, and a stuntman nearby flips over backwards. Helena, you all right? You're a big, big physicist. <laughs> what a big, big physicist! Did I hear that right? We already know there are other beings on this planet. Oh my God! The dialogue, the dialogue, the plot, the characters, the guest star. Aside from that, we're doing okay, though. Can he really not see Maya standing behind him, scanning him? Or does he just not care? Like last night. How did he know about that? ESP? No. No, I don't think so. No, that, that was the other show. It did a story about ESP. power source inside him. An organic source? No. It's an implant. Fantastically potent, and I don't know how it works, but it's mechanical. So Maya has uh, just turned into an owl. Maya, oh. you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. Oh, don't, don't. You do realise she's an owl right now, don't you? Anyway, Maya has taken off to find Magus. Also seems to have turned into a kestrel. Uh, <laughs> not sure what that's about, other than it's uh, reused footage from the Rules of Luton. Actual location filming from the quarry. Okay, Alan. God, meanwhile, Alan and Yasko are still doing this thing. I do like the uh, the, the, the booster pods that have been mounted on uh, on either side of the eagle. I think there's just been a, a model or a toy um, eagle with these pods being released. Is it 1612 who released those? Look very nice. I would like one. I'm going up the full power. Of course, Magus is keeping the eagle in place. Much to the consternation of um, Yasko and the rest of the command center stuff, and of course, having lost Paul and Carno and Matthias, and at this point, Sandra, we only have Yasko and a handful of extras reacting to what's going on, which is, um, again, quite a big difference from how things were in main mission in, in year one. It's such a shame to think that all those characters and that set, when this was filmed, 
it was only a year or so since they were all in use. Now it's all gone. Anyway, uh, Hawk Kestrel Planet Luton Stock Footage Meyer has now landed on Magus' arm. An owl! I thought you were all extinct down here. The more I learn, the less I know. I should start writing scripts for Space 1999 Season 2. You mean he caught you and let you go? Mm. Which proves he's a superman, but not supernatural. What about the tracks? Did you find anything? Well, I found the what? Same one. Because only, inside the glade as well. only a Superman could there, tame an owl, I guess. Clearly from the air. Come on. So we've now conveniently stumbled across a hidden entrance to the cave that Magus wouldn't get them in, that wouldn't allow them to get into last night. Um, again, rather convenient that he's just chosen to quietly ignore them while they're doing all this. But it gives us a chance to reuse some of our old cave sets, just uh, spray-painted a different colour this week. What horrors could possibly be lurking on this uh, obvious model set that we keep cutting to? Some kind of iguana thingy! Oh, and we shot it. Well, it's now turned into full-on uh, attack of the iguanas here. We have... Uh, I'm sure it's probably only just one poor iguana that they got from the local pet shop, but they're making their money's worth out of it. Oh, you killed him. You killed the iguanas. Stay here. <laughs> Stay here with the, uh, the giant reptile's body. I'll go check for any more. Oh no, here's the Michelin Man again. Oh. And that's, um, poor old Bernard Kay in this, um... Shoot! monster costume you would be doing what I desire. who is an actor who really could have played a great character in this show but unfortunately he's just wasted under all this latex and foam and magus is the last of the line of cosmic magicians but he's trying his hardest as he always tried his hardest with all the roles he played I think the results of his manic probing into our earliest fertilized self so now we know what uh, Magus's naughty plan ultimately might lead to. You won't even let us die. Down here is the so it's taken a very dark turn away. suddenly, but I've got to say, I'm still not interested. There are a way through the caves that will lead us out of the glade. And of course, the implication is that there are more mutants like uh, poor old Bernard Kay, but we never see any more after this. Deceitful pygmies. <laughs> Oh, and after all that, it was all for nothing anyway, because Magus was waiting for them at the other end. So, having escaped from the glade, we're now in another glade. We may as well have just stayed where we were. An immature and irresponsible reaction. Oh. Although it's worth it to see Maya reading Magus the riot act. This is good. I like it when Catherine Shell gets to play this righteous indignation. She's very good in this show. I was Simon Magus, who offered to buy the Nazarene's powers from his apostles. I was Merlin. I was not oh, of course you are. Everybody is I always Merlin in these things. Oh, always. When the right time comes. Um, how did you get to Earth the kind of powers that I and possess. come away and come back again several times? Help you to do that? Again, there's the beginnings of an idea there, but it never really amounts to anything. Of this man who was perhaps influencing human development. But, no, it's... 
potentially a decent idea, it's just kind of glossed over. Your life support. In favour of blowing up more random elven buildings. Repair crew to section eight. Repair crew to section eight. Uh, yeah, do we have to? The section eight is kind of exploding right now. Can we wait till it's done? We'll discuss it tomorrow. Oh, good. Another wait until the plot can resume again tomorrow. Ah, I feel like I'm stuck in some kind of time loop with this episode. It's now night time again. And everyone's just sitting around talking while Magus is off having another nap. Do something, please. I think I've got it. Oh, good. He needs light. His power comes from light. So he's a solar-powered would-be god, then. But we saw him last night when we crossed the boundary, didn't So how, then, does he cross deep space if he doesn't have a spaceship and he's afraid of the dark? Imagine light travelling miles per second. For you, I'll try anything. Oh, shut up. Which means to block out the light. How are we going to do that? By being primitive. It's the last thing he'll expect from us. You could just throw a jacket over his head. It's the one time your random assortment of bright coloured jackets might actually be useful. Oh no, we're going to build a, uh, dig a big hole. With what? I don't know, because we only have our bare hands. And we're going to cover it with sticks and leaves and things. Gotta say, it looks, uh, looks pretty much like a... a trap that uh, has zero chance of anybody with a brain falling into, but well this is Space 1999 Series 2 and if they thought it was a good idea, then chances are there's every chance that total oh, come on, really? So you guys are pinning all your hopes on basically a uh, a schoolboy prank at this point You will cooperate with me in my great work well, if it ends the episode, I'm, uh, I'm all for it, providing it works. How dare you! Well, he's fallen into the pit, or rather his stunt double has. Oh, you can see that the inside of the pit is lined with this sort of foam mattress. Light! Give me light or we'll all die! Connie to Alpha! Connie to Alpha! Come in! Why can't Magus just teleport himself out of the pit? Come in, Alpha! Does he need to have like a constant? Constantly have light hitting him at all times. I don't understand why things go to custard so quickly here. Anyway, they are lots of uh, model shots of uh, earthquakes and explosions. It's all very nice. Oh, the eagle's back. Oh no. Poor old Bernard Kay is not having a very good time in this episode. You get upon the eagle! I'll meet you there! Kenny's gonna try and save him! We'll take you all back with us! No! Thank you! No! This is the best thing for us! All of you! You go! I'm fairly sure all my friends aren't interested in survival. I, I mean, I could ask them, but no, no, I'm not gonna do that. I'll just die. That's fine. Don't worry about me. I mean, I know Koenig and Co. 
would have taken the mutants back, but uh, they could have been dealing with quite a quite a crowded trip home. They didn't know how many of them were there. And that also includes the uh, the guy in the gorilla suit, presumably. I don't know if uh, he would have been a very cooperative passenger. Yeah, I would have liked to have maybe seen a bit more of the mutants. Um, I mean, he said that there were male and female. Uh, unless... Well, I don't know. I say that we saw two male mutants, but I could be wrong. Maybe the guy in the gorilla suit was a lady. Who knows? Anyway, planet has now exploded. One cheek of light as the Earth broke up around him, and Magus has still get away with it. That's a real long shot, isn't it? Would you like to bet against him? Nope. Is that it? Is that the note you're ending the episode on? Oh god, seriously? That's it, okay. Um, did you guys just accidentally commit genocide? I think you might have done. Anyway, that was New Adam, New Eve. Oh, I always dread coming to this one on rewatches, and it didn't disappoint me this time round. Still one of my least favourite Space 1999 episodes of the second season or any season, so I am so glad that that one is out of the way now. <laughs>